Welcome back to Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pet Solutions, www.btgprogram.com, or follow us on Twitter, at BTG Program. Guys, there are three sports magazines that I regularly receive. I get ESPN the magazine, I get Sports Illustrated, and I get my personal favorite, Sports Spectrum. In fact, I think like Sports Spectrum is really almost required reading for the Christian sports fan, and joining us now is the managing editor of Sports Spectrum Magazine, Brett Honeycutt. Brett, thanks for coming on the show. Great job with the magazine. How long have you been at Sports Spectrum? Um, since 2008. Uh, came over from a daily newspaper, the Charlotte Observer, and uh, just uh, started uh, in June, I believe, of 2008. Well, I want you to know every time that magazine shows up in my mailbox, it's like Christmas morning for me. I really, and I'm not just trying to say that to you. I get excited to get it. I think it's a great read. I understand this is the uh, 30th year for the magazine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, started in 1985. As um, it's been through several different name changes: Sports Focus, um, New Focus, and Second Look, and uh, settled on the name Sports Spectrum in 1990. Actually, it was the last issue of 1990, I believe. And uh, Brent Jones, who's the San Francisco 49ers, played in several Super Bowls with them uh, on the line. He uh, he was the cover of that issue. And I, I got it uh, when I was growing up and um, had a subscription to it. And so it's kind of neat that I was able to you know, assume the role of managing editor years later um, in my, my late 30s and now in my early 40s. In your years with the magazine, do you have a favorite moment, a favorite article, or a favorite piece that you've done, something you've accomplished there? You know, um, I wrote, I actually wrote for them and um, did a story on Dale Jarrett, um, Ned Jarrett, who's a NASCAR longtime announcer and, and, and racer, and then Dale Jarrett was uh, a NASCAR driver at the time and went to his shop around Hickory and, and talked to him, and so that was, you know, definitely a memorable one, and there was a guy named Chocolate Chocolate Myers who was a gas man, I think, for Dale Earnhardt's crew, and a really solid believer had come from a lot of, you know, just bad stuff in his life and had come to Christ. And, uh, you know, he was a kind of an interesting guy. And uh, I just remember those two stories. Those are the very first two stories I did in the 90s. And, again, I just I was a freelancer then, and I was still working at the paper. And, and then, you know, 14 or, or 10 years later, I guess it was almost 10 years later, uh, or maybe 13 or 14 years later, because it was in the mid-90s, I think, I came on as managing editor. So, um, you know, and then we've had just some stories recently when I've since I've been there, and one kind of stands out. I, I use this quote a lot. Brad Lidge, I think your, your listeners would know, Brad Lidge was mm-hmm. a great reliever and uh, played for the Phillies that year, and they won the uh, World Series uh, recently. And... That year, he did not lose, uh, or he did not blow a save. I think he was 40 for 40 or 41 for 41 in the regular season, and 6 for 6 or 7 for 7 in the postseason. The only save that, I mean, he actually did blow a save that year, and that was the all-star game, I think. And that cost him the home field advantage, but the, he, he was perfect in the postseason. He had a perfect year, and so we did a story on the following year. And that same year, um, it was either that issue or another issue, we did a story on Tampa Bay Ray, you know, who the Philadelphia Phillies beat. And it was really neat because um, I can't remember who the guy was that did it, but so we did a story on Lidge, and he talked about how you know God had been moving in his life, and he'd been so many ups and downs in sports, ups and downs in life, and you know, what did he want to do after you know baseball was over, and just kind of an interesting guy. But 
I'll tell you that story because that was a story I was really interested in. But um, and it was a great story. But the story on the Tampa Bay Ray guy, he said, and again I can't remember who it was, but he said, you know, we, I was wanting to win the World Series because I wanted to tell everybody, you know, about Jesus. I wanted to tell everybody about God. I wanted to tell everybody the difference that He made in my life. <laughs> and then he said we lost. He's like so. <laughs> You know, I was thinking, well, what happened, God? You know, I was praying to you, and I was wanting to win, and I was going to give you glory. And then he heard um, some people on the Phillies, Brad Lidge, one of them, uh, talking about the Lord and talking about the difference that he made in their lives and how, you know, where he was in their life on, on uh, as far as in their whole life, where they were, where he, where, where sports was in their life and where God was in their life and how important it was that God was in their life and they knew Christ. And he said, okay. That's okay, you know, because God, you got the glory, even though we didn't win, and that's what matters. And so he he could accept the loss then. And I just thought, and it's not a verbatim quote, but that's the point of his quote. And I just thought, what a great way to look at things. Yeah, what a great humble outlook on things. You wrote a great piece this month for uh, the current issue, using Antoine Turner and the NCAA's decision to allow Boise State to help with his living accommodations, and you yeah. equated that to the believer's obligation to be charitable in a Christ-like manner. How do you come about this as a subject matter? What what drew you to that story? Uh, I think what draws me to that story is, and I, I do not know why, but for a long time I have I just... We live in America, and it's one of the most... God has blessed this country, one of the most prosperous... Uh, countries. Even our poor people are richer than most of the poor people in the world. And, you know, I know everything's relative. You know, we only know what we know here. You know, when we go visit other countries, I've been, I've been to a lot of, a lot of different countries and a lot of poor countries on mission trips. And, um, the homeless have always, I don't know why, they've always pricked my heart when I see them. I, I work downtown at the paper. Um, you know, they'd ask me for money and I'd go buy them food and, you know, or sometimes I'd give them money, and and sometimes I'd go sit in the restaurants with them while they ate because they were filthy and they didn't feel comfortable sitting in the restaurant. And I told them I'd sit with them. And I'm not saying that to my own horn. I'm just telling you, you know, this is where it pricks me. I just don't see why there are any homeless people in America, and I don't get it. And I do understand there's some mental illness um, associated with that sometimes, but not all the time. And it just it burdens me. And and when I heard about that story, and I heard, man, any decent human being would go to bat for that guy, and if the NCAA would stand in their way, which they didn't, to their credit, if any, if the NCAA would have stood in their way, that would be one rule that I would not care about breaking. Of course, I wouldn't want to get school in trouble if I was an alum, but, you know, fortunately, the NCAA did the right thing and allowed Boise State to help them, and, and Boise State wanted to help them, and I thought, what a great testimony and, and who knows if, if if you know somebody at the NCAA or somebody at Boise State is, is a believer or not I don't know that but it was a great example of how we as believers should should reach out to people I mean this guy did not have a place to live and even with the government um, uh, even when he was trying to live with his girlfriend's family and his relatives because of certain guidelines he was he couldn't even live there once they found out and so you know, sometimes, you know, we do not think logically or we don't, we think about rules before we think about helping somebody, and we really just need to think about helping people. And it shows Christ, it shows His love, as I laid out there in Scripture, um, that we should definitely help those people in need. So, Amen. 
Hey, and you interview a lot of professional athletes. You have a lot of articles in your magazine. In fact, you had one, again, in the current issue, a great piece on uh, Jets receiver David Nelson. And, but you talked to uh, Shelly Ann uh, Frazier-Price, track star, mm-hmm. and yeah. her struggle, mm-hmm. struggle to have an effective Kristen Walk amid such busyness and distractions. Do you see that as a common thread in, with professional athletes and their struggles with the faith? Or do you see other things as a common thread with professional athletes? Yeah, I, th- I think so because you know they have you know people like to think they have everything you know or you know people in general who are not athletes or not professional athletes they like to look at the professional athlete and say they don't have problems because they have money but I think they would tell you that money makes their problems or gives them more problems because of the temptations um, not just. You know that you hear about you know philandering or anything like that, or being able to you know get anything because they just want it, but complacency. I mean, complacency in their life, complacency in their um, in training. I mean, you see that often with guys who sign million dollar contracts and then they have a terrible year and or multiple terrible years because they're satisfied with the money that they got. Or as far as a Christian athlete, complacency in their walk with Christ because. A lot of times, you know, in general, if we have things, those things end up taking the place of Christ as opposed to being Christ all we need. We say, okay, well, Christ is, we need Christ, but we also need this, 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 and this. When we know that all we need is Christ, and those other things, they're nice, but they never, they can never replace Christ. I mean, you can find tons of rich people who are depressed and who are, um, who are angry or bitter or whatever. So obviously money doesn't solve everybody's problems. And, and being a great athlete doesn't solve everybody's problems, just like Shelly Ann Fraser-Price says. I mean, and she's making good money for a track athlete, but you know, with traveling all around, with the busyness of her sport, and with training and, and being secluded sometimes because, you know, there's not like, it's not like a football team where you have 50-something people. I mean, she's training with a few people, and maybe those people are Christians and maybe they're not. But just not having that, you know, person always in their lives but she you know had a church and she had a pastor that built into her life and friends that built into her life um maybe from afar but maybe if they weren't with her so she she understood at some point that she needed that and so she was willing to go the extra mile no pun intended uh, go the extra mile to make sure that those people were in her life long distance even if she had to call them on the phone so i just you know you do see that a lot in athletes but um you know to her credit she saw it and she did something about it Brett, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm getting uh, pointed at by our producer. We're running out of time. I want to bring you on. I got so much more I want to ask you about. I want to ask you how you first came to Christ, but uh, yeah. I'm going to have to bring you back on in, in the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll come back on with us. Thank you again yeah, for joining us. I love your magazine, and I want to recommend it to all the listeners. Thanks again for joining us, Brett. Okay, thank you for having me. You're listening to Benson and those guys on ESPN Rochester. We're just going to go ahead and close out the show here uh, with our Pest of the Week. I'm going to give you mine. My Pest of the Week, as brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, is the schedule maker for the American Hockey League. The American Hockey League, the two oldest teams in the AHL, the Amherst and the Hershey Bears, will not play each other. In fact, the Rochester Americans will play 25 of 38 of their home games in the first three months, which will make a very difficult stretch for our Rochester Americans. And even though they won't play the Hershey Bears this year, they also won't play the Charlotte Checkers. This will be the fourth year in the league for the Checkers, and they've never 
played the Emmerichs. The AHL schedule maker is my pest of the week. My pest of the week is also hockey related, so Darren will probably love this. It's the NHL. If the rumors are true, 34 teams is too many. I don't like the expansion. My pest of the week is my wife, Mandy, for the fantasy football segment. <laughs> and all the practice questions I asked her all week, she crashed and burned fantastically. Then we get on the radio and boom, she's suddenly a fantasy football guru. The questions are going to be a lot harder next week. Mandy, pest of the week. Thank you for joining us at the 10 o'clock hour on Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. You can follow us on Twitter at BTG Program. Hit us up on our website, btgprogram.com. See you next week, 10 a.m. Benson and those guys, ESPN, Rochester.